Amen. Thanks, James. It's good to be here. Uh, one, just to be on the other side of Hume. It was such an amazing week and such a difficult week, as I'm sure some of you heard. Hume for us this year was kind of the two extremes, really. Some of the most fun and amazing times that we've had, and I've heard so many campers say that this was one of the best weeks of their life, and there's also some very difficult and challenging things that we faced this year at camp. Uh, it felt like we were losing people and coming home and just sad and questioning of, God, why is this happening? Why are there so many campers that can't enjoy and really experience the rest of camp with you? So we leave with such delightful hearts and also such heavy hearts. There's a whole mix of emotions for our campers uh, this year. And for me, too, and for my wife. But we are so glad all that God has done this year. And you're going to get to hear from our, our campers in just a little bit about uh, how God was moving in their hearts and about what the joyous and wonderful parts of this week was. And so we're excited for that and excited to just, as a church, stand behind these campers and to encourage them. I mean, these are people who are around our body of believers. They're a part of this community and that the rest of us here, as we listen we then share the responsibility of continuing to encourage them as they continue to grow in their faith from this week and moving forward that we stand behind them. But in all that, this morning I want to start and we're going to continue our sermon series this summer. If you've been with, been with us this summer, we've been talking about the unheralded heroes of our faith. You know, those men and women in the scriptures who are a little bit less prominent, but who deserve kind of some praise and acclamation. Some people who show us what it really looks like for us to follow the words and ways of Jesus. I mean, that's what we're about as a church. I mean, we are a community that's devoted to following the words and ways of Jesus. And so we've been looking at different characters of scripture to see how are they following Jesus, what is going on in their lives, and what can we imitate in that this morning. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about this woman named Lydia. Has anyone heard of Lydia before? A few of us. Probably because the ones who raised their hand, I told you about her. We know a few things about Lydia. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Acts chapter 16. So we know a few things about Lydia. And she was an important woman. I mean, she was the first convert in Europe. She was the first person to believe and confess Jesus Christ as Lord in Europe. A woman, the first one. That's often how it happens and often how Jesus moves. If you remember, it was the Samaritan woman at the well was the first convert outside of the people of Israel. A woman, again, a woman in Europe. So I gave you a little bit of space for you to open up to Acts chapter 16. I don't know if anyone did. But we're going to have Izzy come up and she's going to read the text for us. Yeah, so that you can all uh, hear the story for yourself. So let me flip to it for you, and I'll hand you the mic. So setting sails from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and the Roman colony. We remained in the city some days, and on the place of prayer, we sat down and spoke to the woman who would come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a settler of the purple gods who was a worshiper of gods. The Lord opened up her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. 
After she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, if, we have, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. She prevailed upon us. Yeah, give her a round of applause. Thanks, Izzy. Uh, let me pray real quick. Father, we believe that this scripture is uh, your word, and we believe that it's written down for our instruction that it would train us in also how to live, how to live righteously and how to learn from you, learn about your character uh, and how you move in the world and how you're going to move in our lives. So we ask uh, in your loving mercy you would help us understand this text and apply it to our lives, for we ask it in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So this is Lydia's conversion story. And it's not very long, it's just a paragraph. But running through the entire story is one thread. I don't know if you caught it. You might not have. But the thread that runs through is the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. The Lord was working. The Lord opened Lydia's heart. And in fact, the Lord was guiding Paul to this very place. If you were following Paul's journey here on his mission, he was going to go to two or three other places, but the Lord closed the door. The Lord was guiding Paul to show up to Philippi where he would meet Lydia. To meet Lydia, this a woman. And we know a few things about Lydia. We know first that she was from this town called Thyatira. And Thyatira was kind of this town that was known for having many kind of guilds, these many groups of people that were specializing in a certain craft. And Lydia was possibly from one of those guilds there, and she was a seller of purple goods. That's what the text tells us. Selling purple goods. I mean, that's, does anyone know what that is? It was difficult to sell and get the color purple. I mean, it was difficult to make this happen. It was difficult to have a robe that was all purple. It was very rare that you could create this. And it was pretty much only royalty or the upper class that was able to wear the color purple. But there is this root in the area of Thyatira. It's a madras root, and from this there would be this indigo dye, and so the women there would be able to take the clothes and dye the clothes, and they were uh, specialized in it. I don't know when Lydia moved from Thyatira to Philippi, but she took her trade with her. Lydia was starting her business in Thyatira, selling purple clothes. I don't know if there's any woman among us here that make a living by selling clothes. There might be one or two. But Lydia made this profession, and she was a very successful businesswoman. Really, it was almost unique in a way that she had kind of her own household. She was running, and she likely had slaves in her household as well. Uh, she kind of owned and operated, and I don't know what her husband's deal was, but she was there and had her own business, and she was successful in it. And I know there's many successful businesswomen here standing or sitting in our midst. So this was Lydia. She was from a different town, and she moved to Philippi selling purple goods. And Philippi was this Roman colony that was heavily militarized. I mean, it, it started as a place that was given a, uh, sorry, it was a place that uh, the Caesar Augustus gave to the uh, veterans of the war. So everyone who lived there kind of had this military connection, and then there was this kind of ethos of just being these strong men. It was like to live as a Roman there meant that you were a military man, meant that you were kind of in the army, and 
I mean, we understand this culturally in our day-to-day. I'm sure there's someone that you're thinking of who is like this. This idea to live as a Philippian was to live with this strength, this grit. And here was Lydia, this successful businesswoman from Thyatira, who's living there. And the last thing that we know about Lydia is that she was a worshiper of God. Now, she wasn't a, a convert to Judaism, and we've talked about this before, but she was someone who is worshiping there, who is worshiping Yahweh, who is worshiping the God of Israel. But this little community in Philippi, it wasn't very big. It, there wasn't a big community worshiping God in Philippi. We know this because they would go out to the river to worship. It would take ten men to uh, constitute a synagogue in a city. So we know that in this community of people, the Jewish people worshiping God and those who are God-fearers, there is less than ten men there. I don't know how many women were there, but I know that Lydia was one of them. I know that was a small group, definitely smaller than this group that we have here. And so Lydia every week would go out to this place by the river. I mean, they would have to go outside of the city because the city itself, you weren't allowed to worship anyone other than the emperor. So they would go outside of the city to worship God, and they meet by this river, and it's a women's prayer group, and and Paul finds them because it was Paul's custom to go to the synagogue to teach. And so he found this group by the river, and he started to teach them. As you remember, the main point is that God was opening Lydia's heart to hear. I don't know what exactly Paul said. I don't know if he was telling this Philippian group of people who are worshiping God about how Jesus Christ is actually truly the Lord. This claim that Caesar Augustus has all power and all authority is not true. It's in fact Jesus Christ who is crucified that has all authority and all power, who reigns over all. There is nothing that happens outside of the hand of Jesus Christ, and he rules. I don't know if Paul was telling that to this group of women. Or maybe Paul was retelling this Exodus story. You know the story of the Exodus, how God was working through Moses and leading the people of Israel out of slavery from Egypt. About how God was providing for them. About he was showing how he is in fact sovereign. That he is in fact God over Pharaoh. He is in fact God over every other God and God over us humans. Maybe Paul is sharing about this story, about how it led to this Passover lamb, the lamb that needed to be sacrificed. Maybe he was telling the story about how the Passover lamb is actually fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ being the Passover lamb who indeed takes away the sins of the entire world. About Jesus Christ being the Passover lamb who is now leading a new exodus. An exodus for those who believe out of sin, out of what binds us and controls us, into this new life in the Spirit, into this new life that we have. This great and incredible life given by the Spirit that we live in relationship with the Father. Now, I don't know what Paul said. I don't know how he taught. But what we do know is that God was moving in Lydia's heart. 
We do know that God was, in fact, the one who was working, who led Paul here, and that God was, in fact, working in Lydia's heart, that she would be receptive to the message. This strong and powerful businesswoman was receptive to the message of Paul, that Jesus Christ is indeed Lord over all. I'm sure we know of many Lydia's in our lives. I'm sure we've seen other people where it's just evident and clear that God is working in them. I'm sure it's evident and clear when you see that kind of response. It's kind of just something that you get this feeling and you see it in them of interest of change. Their hearts are warmed and softened and they look towards God. And that's what was happening with Lydia here. And we saw in Lydia's story that her response was then to go and be baptized by Paul. So then she went and be, was baptized. And afterwards, you continue to see God working in her heart as then she urges Paul, come and stay with my house. Stay in my house. I won't let no be an answer. Come, let me provide for you. As Paul later wrote to the Philippians, we imagine he had Lydia in mind. When he was writing to the church in Philippi and trying to encourage them to stay in the Lord, I imagine that he had this woman in mind as she was likely the first convert that helped start that church. There are many Lydias here. I say that because I've just been away. And in some ways, Hume was kind of like that river. Hume was kind of like the gathering place that we went to to go be away, to go listen. And I saw many students respond to the message and work of God. I saw many students have God work in their hearts that they might hear and respond and see that Jesus Christ is Lord. See and hear that, yes, indeed, God is sovereign over all. See and respond that, yes, indeed, he has given us his Holy Spirit and I want to live and change. And so what I want to do now is I'm going to invite all the Hume students to come up here, and Kathy as well. And we're going to have a time for you to hear these Lydia stories, the stories of God working in students' lives. So if you were at Hume this last week, why don't you all come up here? All right, you guys, come up and gather around. Do we want to move that? Do I got all my junior hires? Come in here close. I need more people on this side, just so that everybody can see you. Counselors, you guys can come up too. Want the whole gang up here. Is Tim Holmes up here. Lucy, Greta, that junior high crew. Wow, this is great, you guys. Okay, so <coughs> I want all of you guys to look out at all of these people. Because this is our church family. These are the people that are gonna support you and love you in your walk with Jesus. Because when you go up to the mountain and you have the experience that we just had, you guys come back down and in a couple weeks, you could, you could maybe feel like your faith is being taken away. And your faith never gets taken away. So these people out here, you guys are going to be praying for these guys and lifting them up daily 
that they would be the generation that would just be a game changer for our world. So the gift that I want you guys to give to our church family is to share what was something that maybe God did in your heart up on the mountaintop so that we could bring them into our week-long experience that was just awesome, that taught us how God is holy and just and that he's loving and kind and creator, okay? So um, if you wanna share, raise your hand and then um, I will, or you can come up and just like tap me on the shoulder, so anybody? Anybody wanna start? You're too scared? Oh, no. All right, come on up. That's Kai. Kai. And say your name. Okay. Oh, I'm Kai, and the pastor at Meadow Ranch, he spoke about, like, a metaphor, like, letting God in your house and not just talking to him on the doorstep, and that really spoke to me, so that was sick. That's awesome. Thanks, Kai. Thanks, Kai. Next. Char. <laughs> she just had that look. Hi, I'm Charlotte, and this week I was, unfortunately, one of the cabins that had to go home halfway through. So during that time, like the day before we left, we went to these seminars, and one of them was about trusting God, and especially th in like hard times. So in that message, it was like during those hard times, rather than, I guess, wallow in self-pity, you could use this opportunity to worship and praise God for all that he's done. And we just use these moments, like obviously we didn't wanna go home. It was like a very sad situation, but we use these moments to like praise and worship him and truly show that he is like a loving God. And I think that was so important in those days and like moments where we were like just totally upset and like blaming God in a sense these things that would happen but like obviously he didn't want that to happen so I just thought it was like really powerful in that moment to be worshiping God instead of like blaming him in a sense yeah but yeah awesome. <laughs> thanks honey all right Cade what I learned at Hume Lake was that God isn't just a God, he's loving, caring, and gives you another chance for, for, for forgiveness for your sin. That's awesome. Thanks, bud. Izzy? One thing I learned is that we're all brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, and even though going into your cabin you only know like two or three people, after those seven days it feels like you've known everyone for seven years because you're all getting vulnerable and talking about God. Anybody over here? You guys? It's your moment. Come on up. Anyone? Okay, Timmy. Come on up. Uh, what? Turn this way so all these people can see you. What I learned at Hume Lake is just why, why all if all your friends are not like, uh, like talking about God and stuff, like mean stuff to each other. You just got. You just got to remember that God's uh, loving you, and yeah, that's all. <laughs> he created you just uniquely, Timmy, and that's awesome. That's enough. All right, come up. Gepner. Hi. 
Um, so in one of our seminars, we learned about God's justice and wrath. And um, it was hard to understand at first because, like, he killed Pharaoh's son. But he did it for his people, and we learned that without his justice and wrath, his love would be empty. So, yeah, that was really cool. That's powerful. Thanks, Allie. Anybody else back there? Any of you guys? Come on up, Bricks. I learned about that you can be worshiping Jesus wherever you go if you're, like, doing something that, like, you don't have to be singing all the time or, like, sitting and doing that. You can just be anywhere and worship them. From the mouth of babes. Come on up. I learned this week that uh, you can do anything for God as long as you're thinking about him. Awesome. Thank you. Mags. Birthday mags. I learned a lot of new things about God, but the thing that stood out to me most was that um, it's your choice whether or not you want choose to follow God. Mm-hmm. There you go. Thank you. Any of you big people back there? Do you feel that heartbeat going? Yeah, let's get like one of those high yeah, school there kids. We go. Come on, boys. And you guys over here, if you feel that racing So I was also one of those cabins that had to go home early, but I learned that to trust God no matter what because he's in control, he has a plan for you, and he's got it all under control, so just trust him no matter what. Praise the Lord. Joe Ryan. I'm Joe, and uh, on Wednesday when all the girls got sent home, a lot of us guys were just feeling pretty down and pretty sad because a lot we thought we were going to get sent home too maybe, but... The next day, God, we just all prayed together, and God really used that time to just bring us closer together, and I think it really led to a good experience. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, we won't tell you what those senior boys were up to at camp. There was no pranking. Um, I want to point out one thing about the senior boys, too, and about some of the younger boys, is for you parents to know, they all come home with these interesting little marks on their legs. It's because they all create these little whips from the handkerchiefs and just all week have just been going, all right, one for one, and they whip each other. And so try to find the boy with the most marks on his legs. And they all, like, go crazy when they draw blood. It's really funny. Men, 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 men. Come on up. Okay, hi, guys. Um, so there was another... There was another seminar that we went to that was kind of about like comparing Christianity to a lot of other religions. And something that really stuck out was that like all other religions, it's kind of about like proving yourself and hoping that you'll make it to heaven. But something that he said that really stuck out to me was that God is the only one who's coming down and willing to help you like cure your chaos. And I thought that that's super cool because he just says like, come as you are and I will help you. And that that was so different from all other religions. Awesome. Thank you. Anybody else feeling that little heartbeat where you want to share? This is your moment. Anyone? Jade wants to. Come on up, Jade. Jade's one of our awesome wagon train counselors. Um, something amazing is that I was I went to wagon train as a kid, went through Meta Ranch and Ponderosa, and I was a counselor two years ago, and then this year my little brother went to wagon train, so I was able to be with him, and it was just cool to watch him go through what I went through. <laughs> yes, that's him. And it was just amazing because I was able to not only just nurture him, but also nurture all my girls. And we won 
wreck. So that was amazing. So it's just cool to see that God lets me wor- not only worship him, but also nurture on these girls and show them who he really is. Thank you. All right, Mr. Ricardo. Okay, so this guy, I, in, there's a game called David and Goliath where you bean each other with Frisbees. Hides behind this bush, massacres me, and hits me with a Frisbee in my leg, and I still have a welt. Thank you very much. Yeah. So if you all are sitting out there thinking, oh, I wish I went, you need to come and talk to me because <laughs> it is like the best vacation, and it's free if you're a counselor. Free. This week at camp, I realized that believing in God isn't just being there. It's you have to step in the wheelbarrow and trust him with your life. Awesome. Did you do that? Uh, I think kind of. I'm trying. <laughs> He's working on it. He's going to get in that wheelbarrow. Anybody else? Oh, come on up, buddy. This guy gives the best hugs all week long. Just gives a real deep hug. All right. I've learned during this week there are a lot of questions, but not so many answers. But I've learned to trust God with those answers to lead us in the right direction to heaven. Awesome. And what was what was your um, what was your analogy about what life is without God? Is without God is like toast with um without butter. <laughs> there you have it. Come on up, sweetie. My name is Claire, and this week I learned that God is always with you, and he will never leave you no matter where you go. Awesome. Did your mom go on this trip? Yeah, her mom was her counselor in that wagon, so yay for Amy. Mitch? Um, when I was at camp, I kind of like, um, <clears throat> sorry, I lost my voice. So, um, I'd, when I was at camp, um, I like, I loved cabin time cause I, I kind of got to debrief like the message in my own like speed and like my own way. And I asked like a lot of questions and it was really nice to like, kind of, I don't know, be around people who kind of understand what I'm thinking about kind of. Yeah. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I make any sense, but. You do make sense. You make awesome sense. Okay, anyone else? Oh, golly. Okay, we'll take any. Let me check back here. Any of you older kids? Okay, Amelia. I need, I need some of the senior crew. I mean, if you're going to do the meat wall, then you need to also say what you learned at, at <laughs> camp. Okay, so I'm Amelia, and this week at camp, what sort of stuck out to me was how much pain Jesus went through on the cross. So... For me, I knew, of course, we all knew he died on the cross for our sins. But what I guess stuck out to me was he went through a lot of pain doing that. I always thought maybe God took away the pain because he was doing that for our sins. But for every breath, as Eric put it, our pastor, he had to put all his pain on his hands to breathe in. And then when he breathed out, all the pain on his feet for the nails that went through. So he's putting all that pressure on him. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. All right, Jacob, and then I'll go with you. What's your name? I'm Jacob Klein, and this week I learned that Jesus will always be with uh, Jesus will always be with you, with you, no matter what's going on in your life, e- even if it's a divorce or a miscarriage. Yeah. 
So God is good. Even when times are hard, we need to stay faithful. Uh, did you already go? Okay. You, oh, you don't want to go, but your hand's up. All right. Anyone else? Because I know the wagon trainers just like to talk on the mic. Do you want to go? Okay. All right. So um, can I have all of our church family stand up, please? I wanted to have you gather around these kids in a circle, but I'm feeling like that might be like a bigger deal. But if you could just um, reach out your hand towards our kids, and if you guys could just gather in, um, and we're just going to pray a blessing over our children and just pray that that this blessing would be from the Lord. Father, we... um, We reach out our hands in faith, knowing that your Holy Spirit is here and um, that he is on all of these children. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for the work that you have done in the hearts of our kids. And we pray that the truth that has been instilled in their hearts this week would stick for an eternity. I pray that they would see themselves exactly the way that you created them, that this world would not wreck their self-image, but they, are, they would know that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, that they were made perfect in your eyes, that they are washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, and that as they grow in their faith and lean in towards you, Lord, that um, they will always be safe, they will always be protected, they will always be watched over, that you will not leave them or forsake them, that they are your children that you adore. You call them to come to you, and you tell everyone to not keep them away. So I pray that they would always know that they are safe with you, that, they, that you are their loving Heavenly Father, that you have great plans for their lives, and that those plans are good. And they're good even when life is hard, Lord. We know, because we watched Moses go through a lot, and you were present even though times were tough. You never leave us alone. So we pray this blessing over our kids in Jesus' name. And everybody say? Amen. Okay, so I am going to pass the mic over to Luke. He's going to talk about what we're doing next. All right. Uh, So just like Lydia and her response to God, uh, her next step was being baptized. And that's what we hear. You guys can take a seat if you want, just for a second. Uh, Her next step was being baptized. And so we have some students here who also want to be baptized. And we've been talking about this up at camp and talking about this decision and baptism being our unity to Christ. And all that is true in Christ's death and all that is true in Christ's life becomes ours when we are united to him. So baptism is this practice that we do and that we have some campers who are wanting to make this step this morning. And uh, we're excited for them. We've talked about it with them, and they know that this is a decision and a point in their lives that they will always look back to and grow from. For all of us, baptism is a point that we look back to and grow from. We never grow out of baptism. And so it's really with much joy and excitement that we have uh, some kids who want to be baptized this morning. Uh, and so just a minute, we're going to head down to the water. Um, but before that, I just want to say one word to you as a congregation here is that this is also a commitment for us, that they are joining our church family. They're saying, yes, I am a member of the body of Christ, and with that comes a responsibility on all of us. Not just, you know, oh, there's someone else's kid, they'll get it figured out. 
Every single one of us here who calls the River Church home is now sharing in this responsibility to be raising these students up in the faith. To be helping them grow in the Lord, helping them to be disciples of Jesus Christ who are following the words and ways of Jesus. All of us get to share and own that responsibility. And so I'm excited for today and I'm excited for what God continues to do in these students' lives. So I'm going to invite James up to share some of the logistics of, of this moment here. But uh, we're just so stoked. It's going to be really great. And we're excited to have these guys. Thank you so much, Luke. And thank you, everyone who shared, for just filling our hearts with uh, such a reminder, such a reminder of these deep truths. So as we do every, every so often, we'll do a beach baptism. Uh, as Luke mentioned, in this, in this family, we don't, we don't believe that baptism is something that makes you right with God. Jesus did all the work. There's no ritual that needs to be done to connect you to the Lord. Jesus has done that, but it's a way of showing and expressing and saying, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm running after Jesus and following him. So that's what we believe baptism is. What we're going to do in a, few, in a minute here, um, I'll, I'll invite those who are going to be uh, getting baptized, those students who are getting baptized, uh, connect up with Luke over here. And if there's anyone else here who has said, I am a f- I'm following Jesus, you have invited him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, and you're like, I've never been baptized before. Well, there is a giant Pacific Ocean sitting right there, and amazing people willing to stand with you and celebrate your a decision to follow Jesus. So if you're interested in that, also see Todd right over our, our our pastor Todd right there who can just talk with you about it and sort of help you think about, um, yeah, baptism. And, and if you want to get baptized today, we can make that happen. Okay. So we're going to do this. We're going to kind of, I'll invite folks to, to head down, but what we want to do is, um, please only the person being baptized and the people baptizing in the water. And we'll leave a line of sight open for the lifeguard tower. Just kind of like, so don't like enclose it in, in a, theater semicircle, but sort of leave sort of a, I don't know, horizontal so the lifeguards can see what's going down. Um, and that's, that's what we're going to do. So we'll put on maybe a little music and invite folks to come down. To, but we really do want to invite you to come down and celebrate this. So just cheering and celebrating. It's going to be great. And Bricks, I'll answer your question in a second. I promise. I promise I'll answer your question. All right. So with that being said, uh, if you're going to be getting baptized, Uh, go ahead and check in here with Luke. And if you are uh, just today, just kind of dawned on you, I want to get baptized. Come check in with Todd over here and come on up and we're going to head down. And so a couple minutes, we're going to get some baptisms going here. Yes. So thank you. Let's celebrate people. Let's celebrate.